0: What are we going to do about this? So Joab has a plan. I think Joab sees that David really wants Absalom to come back deep in his heart. I think Joab sees that the succession is in uncertain. If something happens to David, who knows what might happen? That's an insecure thing for the kingdom. So chapter 14, 1 to 20.
1: Now Joab, the son of Zeruah, perceived that the king's heart was inclined towards Aslan. So Joab sent Toko and brought a wise woman from there and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments now. And do not anoint yourself with oil, but be like a woman who has been in mourning for the dead many days. Then go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put, put the words in her mouth. Now when the woman of Toko spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. The king said to her, What is your trouble? And she answered, Truly I am a widow, for my husband is dead. Your maidservant had two sons. But the two two of them struggled together in the field, and there was no one to separate them. So one struck the other and killed him. Now behold, the whole family has risen against your maidservant. And they say, Hand over the one who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother, whom he killed, and destroy the heir also. Thus they will extinguish my coal, which is left, so as to leave my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. The woman of Toko said to the king, O my lord, the king, the iniquity is on me and my father's house. But the king and, and his throne are guiltless. So the king said, Whoever speaks to you, bring him to me, and he will not touch you anymore. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, so that the avenger of blood will not continue to destroy. Otherwise they will destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair on your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak a word to the Lord, the king. And he said, Speak. The woman said, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word, the king his, is as one who is guilty, in that the king does not bring back his banished one. For we will, for we will surely die, and we are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life, but plans ways so that the vanished one will not be cast out from him. Now the reason I have come to speak to you, this word, to my lord the king, is that the people have made me afraid. So your maidservant said, let me now speak to the king. Perhaps the king will perform the request of the maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver the maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy both me and my son from the inheritance of God. Then your maidservant said, Please let the word of my lord the king be comforting, for for as the angels of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and evil. And may the lord your God be with you. Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide anything from me that I am about to ask you. And the woman said, Let my lord the king please speak. So the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? And the woman replied, As your soul lives, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. Indeed, it was your servant Joab who commanded me, and it was he who put all these words into the mouth of your maidservant in order to change the appearance of things. Your servant Joab has done this thing. But my lord is wise, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know that all this is on in the earth.
0: Okay, so look at what happens here. Joab's plan is to use this wise woman of Tekoa as uh, the one to uh, really be an actress and present this story uh, presumably that's happened to her. She, She looks like a mourning woman. She presents herself as a widow who had two sons. The two of them were fighting. One of them ended up killing the other one and now the family wants to kill the guilty one since he is guilty of manslaughter and uh, this is leaving her with no one to take care of her. She's a widow she won't have any children. It uh, takes away uh, the, the, the lineage, the inheritance, the, she has no other heir and so she's begging David as the king to intervene and decree in favor of her remaining son. At first David refuses to do anything he says well go go to your house and you know I'll decide on this case and she insists relentlessly that he uh, give a decision and even that he make an oath that that her son would not die and David finally says in verse 11 as the Lord lives not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground that's a bit ironic as we know, she was actually talking about Absalom, who had a lot of them. <laughs> but uh, you know, that, uh, he doesn't know that's what's going on. So that's the story that's told. She does a pretty good job. Does this story remind you a little bit of something? Nathan, Nathan yeah. It's kind of a parable with a point. You know, here's, here's a story, and now this is you. That's exactly what she's doing. She's sort of springing her trap um, to this point. Thoughts or comments to this point, just talking about what she says. Okay. Well, she springs the trap. She says, you're the one. Why have you done this thing? You have taken away the, the son that belongs to the people. Is depriving the kingdom of the uh, crown prince. And and so you know this is this is you're doing the same thing. You decreed that they can't do by banishing Absalom and not letting him come back. It's effectively killing him. And yet he's the one that we're looking to as the future king. And so she is showing or trying to show David his inconsistency between what he decreed for her and what he's doing. She's really giving him a reason, an excuse to bring Absalom back. And David's like Did Joab set this up? <laughs> uh, you know Maybe almost like saying That Joab You know of all things He gets his way by hook or by crook Doesn't he? He's, he's sharp uh, She's been coached And she flatters David and says You are so wise, how did you figure that one out? Uh, maybe Joab had been trying to talk David Into bringing Absalom back And that wasn't working so this is plan B Comments and thoughts? <coughs> Cameron.
2: Was it, God, was it God's will for Absalom to come back? Or was this just Joab's plan?
0: Well, I don't think God's will really enters into the question here, probably with the uh, parties involved. I'm not sure that we can say God's will is for Absalom to come back or not to come back. Perhaps the right thing would be for him to come back and be punished. That might be interesting. That's not, that's not in anybody's consideration. But David David only banishes him. You know, it's kind of like, you all may disagree with me on this, but, but you know, it's kind of like how sometimes parents punish their children. That I, A method I do not believe is, is the right method. You know, I sort of like saying, "Well, you did something wrong. I'm mad at you. I'm not going to talk to you. You know, <laughs> I we just we just won't won't talk. You know, you be you, you go to your room for a week, and uh, you know, don't don't come out. I don't, want, I don't want to see you. You know, it's like that's not exactly punishment in one sense, but it's banishment. It's like just cut off the relationship. So you're not really dealing with the infraction. You're saying I don't want to I don't want you in my face anymore." And so it really is the worst of both worlds. I mean, Absalom, he's not exactly been punished, but he can't see David. He doesn't have the relationship anymore. It's almost the worst of both worlds. Either punish him or pardon him. But leave him in limbo, I think, is almost worse. But I don't think they're trying to think about God's will. I think Joab thinks this will be better for the kingdom. I think David really longs to restore Absalom, but he doesn't really feel right about it. Absalom really ought to be punished, but he doesn't want to punish him. But if he brings him back, then really he should have punished him. And so it's just kind of all conflicting. That's what I think. Thoughts?
1: Well, it sounds like from the story, too, that the lady says that The brothers are involved in that. So, you know, David's having that influence from his other sons, possibly. Could be. Hatred and anger and angst.
0: Could be. Obviously, they'd have some vested interest in uh, not having Absalom as an added uh, factor in the succession struggle.
1: Eric. I like that. David listens to anybody that speaks truth. It doesn't matter if it's a woman from Tekoa or Nathan the prophet. It doesn't matter who it is. David's going to listen to something if they're speaking the truth.
0: David's going to listen. Who does she remind you of, by the way? Abigail, Abigail yeah. She's kind of like 2 Samuel's Abigail. She is sharp. Nicole? Um, I guess I'm just confused. Maybe I missed
1: something. But it doesn't...
0: I guess
1: I don't see where David banished absalom it kind of seems like he banished himself
0: he <laughs> fled but david's not inviting him back i think the idea is he doesn't have the right to come back
1: so he, he is also i mean he's referred to as the
0: banished yes yeah. so it seems like he had to we may to have to himself. read that between the lines but i think by what they're saying that is what's mm-hmm. happening he fled and david's not authorized him to come back so he's kind of out there. David could say, Oh, you can come back, it's fine. I'm not gonna punish you if you wanted to. Okay? Yeah, Brian. Given that David has four
1: sons, why does it really matter if Absalom's back or not?
0: Well, I think it matters in the in the struggle for the succession. I think it's gonna be complicated to figure out what are we going to do. Do we have Absalom or not? Uh, that's what I think. Is it's just gonna it makes it all ambiguous, and there's gonna be some pro ap- Absalom people, there's gonna be some pro Adonijah people. It's just not clear. That's what I I would say. I think I think you know Joab is a guy who follows protocol in those things. He will support Adonijah's bid for the throne later on, and not Solomon in First Kings one. I think because he sees orderly succession through the the next in line is the right thing. Other thoughts. Yeah, I may be missing something extremely obvious, but why doesn't David invite him
2: back? I mean, you just read that he's wishing to see Absalom.
0: Well, I think it's because he thinks it's not really right. He ought to punish it, but he don't want to punish it. But he ought to punish it. So just, how many times do we just not deal with things? We, we know we should, we know if we deal with them, we're going to have to do something that's painful to us, so we just try to avoid them. I, that's what I see David doing he, he doesn't want the conflict he doesn't want to have to punish Absalom but he really ought to because he killed Amnon but on the other hand he didn't punish Amnon you know I think he's just kind of conflicted a lot to think about in that okay uh, well let's see what happens 21 to 33
2: Said to Joab, Behold, now I will surely do this thing. Go therefore, bring back the young man Absalom. Joab fell on his face to the ground, prostrated himself, and blessed the king. Then Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, O Lord the king, and that the king has performed the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. However, the king said, Let him turn to his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom turned to his own house, and did not see the king's face. Now in all Israel was no one as handsome as Absalom, so highly praised, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. There was no defect in him. When he cut the hair of his head, and it was at the end of every year that he cut it, for it was heavy on him, so he cut it. He weighed the hair of his head at two hundred shekels by the king's weight. For Absalom there were were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. Now Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and did not see the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. So he sent, uh, sent again a second time, but he would not come. Therefore he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab rose and came to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent for you, saying, Come here, that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me still to be there, now therefore, let me see the king's face, and if there's iniquity in me, let me put me to death. So when Joab came to the king and told him, he called for Absalom. Thus he came to the king and prostrated himself on, on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom.
0: Okay, so he brings Absalom back, but not because Absalom still not, can't see David, he can't come to the palace so he's back in the country, but he's really not restored back to fellowship with David which really frustrates Absalom. <laughs> now 25-26 what's Absalom's uh, claim to fame? Looks. His looks. You know there was no flaw in his body, sadly you could not say that about his character, but there was no flaw in his physical appearance, he's a really handsome fellow And what's particularly handsome about him? His hair. His hair, he has a wonderful head of hair. And they cut it off every year and it it weighs a ton. It's just amazing how that hair grows. And, uh, you know, obviously he's more concerned with his appearance than he is with his integrity. And uh, so, but he's frustrated because, you know, we can't go see David. He's not really restored back, so he calls for Joab. Joab's the one who's been sent to bring him back so he asks Joab to come and what does Joab do? Doesn't come. Well, he's asking him again to come and what does Joab do? Doesn't come. It looks to me like Absalom's sort of under house arrest. There's a lot of things he can't do so um, he decides to get Joab's attention (laughs) in a way that succeeds better than the conventional approaches have. What does he do? Sets Joab's field of barley on fire. Now the fire in the field was nothing compared to the fire in his soul. The one was extinguished, the other was not. But Joab comes, why'd you set my field on fire? (laughs) You know, he he, he values that barley field. And uh, Absalom explains, I might as well still be banished. I can't see David. And so... Joab talked to the king and the king called for Absalom and they reconcile and everything's good. Sorry. Comments or questions on chapter 14?
2: seems kind of unlike Joab, at least up to this point, I would have expected here Joab would do something in return to, to, to Absalom.
0: I think this is what Joab really wants to. I think he wants Absalom brought back the the lineage, the succession to be clear and everything to be cleared up. This is the best thing maybe politically for the country. That's what I would say. Cameron. If
1: that's
2: so then why didn't you just go straight to the thing? No why do you ignore
0: the first intenders? Uh maybe he doesn't want to deal with this, doesn't have to deal with what, you know, David's wrath and so forth. I don't really know. <laughs> But I wondered about
1: that. Logan? If David was really longing for Absalom, then why does he half heartedly bring him back?
0: Because he, <laughs> he still feels like he ought to punish him. That's what I think. I think he's still, you know, rather than punishing him, he just won't look, he won't see him. I, I really think he's in that that situation where he knows he ought to, but he doesn't want to, so I just won't, I, we, won't we won't reconcile. He's sort of punishing him, but he's not really punishing him. But at least he's not sick. That's the only explanation I know of. Somebody may have a better one, which would really be nice. Tim?
2: Oh no, I was just saying, it's also interesting how he doesn't get in trouble for the barley. Like, David's kids can get away with anything. Yeah.
0: Joab is not trying to get him in trouble. Joab wants him restored, but yeah. Yes, Josh? Uh,
2: in verse uh, 32, where
1: Absalom says to Joab, you know, let the king put me to death he he's iniquity, is that like a Tamar-esque, kind of like the king's not, you know, crasping for straws to let something happen that he knows? No, I think it's almost like, well,
0: I mean, better off if he want, if, if he thinks he needs to punish me then let him kill me. So you he know. actually
1: thinks David would do it?
0: Well, I don't know that he does, but I think it's like, well, if, if that's the consequence, then it'd be better than being banished. I don't know that he really thinks he will, but I think he's saying, well, you know, if that's, if that's what it is, then I'll take that. Necessary, but I'm not going to continue living in this limbo situation. Yeah. Plus, you know, Absalom has reason to believe and know that David's kind of a salty right now. Right. Because not going to happen. Right. Good point. Thoughts or comments?
1: I'm thinking we don't have a father that lets us sit in limbo or likes us to sit in limbo.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. God wants us to be reconciled. We're, if we're not reconciled, that's our problem. It's because of us, not because of him. Cameron.
2: Earlier you mentioned that the chronological part of it is so not all correct, but more themes. We had all the good and successful
1: things, and now we kind of all the bad and unsuccessful. So how does this fit in?
0: Well, I think the, this part from 10 to 20 is chronological in and of itself. I'm not sure if I know how it fits with every detail of the prior part, but I think these things do depend, you know, they're kind of a sequence of events. But how does it fit in with the good things? I don't know. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Jay? Um, remember how, um, that earlier comment about, um, about how David will listen to anyone? Um, it's, that's. That's what Absalom won over the
0: people of Israel with. Yeah, the people listen too much to anyone, don't they? Yeah, good point. Is there any significance to the information about Absalom's family in 27, or is it just more background? Probably more background. He died, though, with no no sons. Evidently, his sons died young. Micah?
1: I see in verse 33 sort of a... uh, superficial prodigal son sort of thing you don't necessarily see that absalom is uh, penitent of his actions and you don't necessarily see uh, david is forgiving him and sort of just going through the motions of oh they're back together things are okay
0: i suppose Yeah, yeah yeah sometimes we do exactly that we don't reconcile we just say it's okay we don't really go through the process of restoring the relationship certainly it's not okay on absalom's part alex
2: Uh, I think the New Testament has a very different approach to problem solving. I mean, we're told to go to our brother if we have a problem with him or our brother to come to us if we have a problem with him. And if that doesn't work, go to other people. But communication is critical. Uh, I think the fact that they weren't communicating prolonged the problem much longer than it it had to be.
0: Amen. Good point. (coughs)
1: Okay. Well, chapter 15,